podcast where we spread the love of music while educating our audience on the complexities behind the art form and its industry. We at Surround Sound want our listeners to enjoy music at its core while we share our passion in very simple and simplistic ways. I'm Darius, and this is Matthew. Say hi, Matthew. Hey, hey, hey. And uh, to start things off, we're going to have a little check-in. And uh, I want to ask you, Matthew, uh, what's going on these days? What's what's new in the in the music industry from from your end, from what from what you've been looking at? So recently, uh, before we begin, we begin with an exciting uh, interview. We would like to start off with the news. So Disney has recently laid off about 20,000 employees. They're mostly part-time. And also Met Opera. Unfortunately, these are all bad news. Uh, Met Opera will be delaying its season opening all the way until 2021. So this is kind of an awkward situation because of COVID. And COVID obviously has, um, has hit a lot of people. So I would like to ask Darius, um, how has COVID really hit you or has... COVID really affected you in terms of the, you know, your musical aspect? That's a great question, Matt. Uh, from a performance background on my end, I would say, um, ironically, it hasn't been that bad. I found that, you know, I've had more time recently to kind of dive deeper into my work and my craft. I am a bassoon player, and uh, that is a woodwind instrument in an orchestra that is very low demand in terms of uh, personnel, but it has a very unique sound and characteristic, and it um, is very important to kind of master uh, during this time. So I have just been spending a lot of my time practicing. Um, in a way, COVID-19 has brought some interesting online opportunities to me. I have gotten to attend some seminars, part participate in some online masterclasses and workshops with artists around the world that I would not have had, had the opportunity to meet were it not for everybody being trapped in their homes. Um, in addition to that, in Sorry. addition to, oh yeah, in addition to that, um, I also spent some time this summer looking into a brand new instrument, uh, a professional upgrade from my student instrument, and it was a huge purchase, and it was a huge study. I spent about three months I did over. I did a trial of over ten different bassoons. I took copious notes in my in my books and and had several colleagues listen and give me feedback. And I eventually came down to a decision that I think is really good. I purchased for any double reed players that are listening. I purchased a bassoon from the Fox Company, the Fox Double Reed Company. Uh, it's a 680. It's a professional brand. It was made in 2019, and uh, it has a certain European uh, it wood that gives off a really nice quality and texture and sound that I like that I feel like I can really expand and express myself in. So that's it with me. Basically just practicing and I bought a new instrument. I'm glad to hear that from you. Actually, you know, we've been, all of us have been excited about your, you know, how much was it? How much was the bassoon? Would you like to uh, announce this? Bassoons in general are very expensive. Uh, you're looking at very high numbers, prices of cars. When people talk about prices of bassoons, they compare them to cars. Uh, this instrument, I got it for about 27000 Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a major investment. So yeah, why I, 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 I'm broke now. 
but uh, it, was a big, it was a big it was a big thing. Yeah, so. I mean, this is good news. I mean, to pile on even more bad news, um, I, uh, Broadway is also going to delay its season, but finally we get another, you know, good news from from Darius. You know, I hope our peers in the entertainment world and also the music world um, will have their, you know, will we'll live through this hard times and hopefully there'll be the, there'll be a light at the end of the tunnel. So why don't you start us off today on what we're going to do, Darius? Yes. So today, excuse me, we are going to be focusing on film music. This is a genre of music that is really, in my opinion, underrepresented in the world. It's something that not very many people talk about and not very many people, uh, really even notice when they're listening, when they're watching a good movie or looking at some great program. And we have a very special guest tonight. Uh, he, this, this guest is a composer and a pianist based in New York City. Uh, he studies music composition uh, with a concentration in screen scoring at New York University. And he's had numerous opportunities to collaborate on a professional level uh, he scored many great films. Uh, a notable one was The Ice Cake Man that happened in 2018 by a up-and-rising uh, film producer, Max Cho. And in addition to that, he got to study abroad in Paris where he worked with, um, uh, he worked with Michel Merlet at the L'Ecole Normale de Musique de Paris and focused on electroacoustic uh, composition as well in the avant-garde form. This person is a dear friend of mine. We have worked together for many, many years now, and he and I have really had wonderful opportunities to collaborate and make music. And I would like to welcome now our first guest, Oscar Pan. Hi, Oscar. Hi. Thank How you for the you? intro. Um, I'm doing good. I'm doing great. Thank you. That's awesome. We are so happy to have you. Um, so... We wanted to start off a little bit today with just, you know, a couple of basic questions. Um, what got you into film music? Do you have any uh, special story or anything that made you really fall in love with film music? Yeah, sure. So I think this is similar to a lot of other people when they got into music. Um, there was one specific piece that got me into film music, um, which was uh, Chronicles of Narnia. The, the score by um, Harry Gregson Williams. That was, um, I, I feel like that was my favorite film score of all time. And I think it's one of the most underrated one actually. And I just accidentally listened to the score. I think in my senior year of high school, I only watched a movie like when I was really young, but I just kind of like watched a movie again. But that time I paid attention to the music and I was moved by, by the com combination of music and visuals at the same time. So I just feel like, I just listen, I just downloaded an entire soundtrack and then I listened to it like again and again and then I started composing from there and then I just applied to NYU. That's basically how I got in um, to this track. So before you kind of, before we really get, you know, get going to pull out all the strings from you, to, to get, to make people know how you're inspired as a composer, what what aspect of that music, you know, what pulled your stream? What pulled your heart from at that? 
I feel like it's the well. First of all, the music itself it was just like separated from the movie. The music itself is phenomenal itself. Um, the textures, the instrumentation, they're all very delicate, and also the instrumentation, the collection of instruments used by the composer are very, very world and ethnic, or like very world instruments. Like they, they can evoke a sense of, I don't know, like a mystery or um, worldly sense. It's just very um, attractive to me. And um, other than that, I feel like the music just blends perfectly with the movie. And um, it really evokes the emotions while I watch the movie, but also the memories um, when I was a kid watching the movie. So it's just a lot of great things about the music and the film. And the memory of the two is amazing. That sounds wonderful. Here is a clip for our listeners from The Chronicles of Narnia. on my own 
And then after that, I was inspired by Narnia, and then I felt like, okay, now I know how to write music, but can I also like use composition with movie together, kind of combine them together? So I feel like I'm very interested in film music, so I want to write music specifically for film. From there, yeah. It's it's really interesting how when we talk about film music, we're really talking about the story, right? I feel like people often forget that. Story is such an essential part of music that we're trying to evoke a story. Although we could talk about the Czechs of the world, we could Tchaikovsky, we could talk about Beethoven, or we could even talk about the current records, you know. But even the current records, the the the, the, the pop music, the, the the lyrics itself is trying trying to evoke a specific emotion. And usually, those emotions come from a story that they really you know experience. And You know, this this comes this this is a very sensitive or not really sensitive, but I guess a very curious question for many of our audience here is that, first of all, how 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 are you inspired? Like, what got you going as a composer? Because I know from a very you know, I'm not a great composer myself like you are. Um, I know that usually composing, like what you said, just comes from you know playing the piano. Then there there comes like a specific. Process and then it's more improvisational, and then you start, you know, trying to craft around it. And I'm not sure about how you do it, so I want to ask you: Does your composition, like, does your composition flow more naturally, or does it take more of methodical planning and craftsmanship when you're composing, or is it just the combination of both? Well, are you talking about general composition or film composition? Anything. If you're, ta- if you're talking about general composition, I feel like. It's what you said in the the first one,、uh, which is more about like coming naturally. But if I if I'm composing a film, I feel like it's a combination of two because I need to I need to compose under the framework of film. So it's kind of like it's a certain degree of limitation, but it gives you a little space of your own improvisation, your own voice expression from there. So I feel like it's a little combination of two if you're talking about film music. Yeah. So, why don't you tell our audience?、Um, why don't you explain our, to our audience what, what what is like the the differences between like a general composition and also like a film music? Like, what what what's the different? What's what's different for you as a composer? Then? Well, um, well, the first difference is the first difference is <clears throat> for film music there is like a media there, so it's like it almost like it gives you a prompt. It gives you a prompt, and then you answer a question with your music. But if you're doing a general composition,、um, there's a lot of different ways for composers to start a composition. Well, for me,、um, at sometimes, sometimes I came up with a theme first. If that piece is a kind of a traditional piece, I'll came up with a with a theme, and then I start to develop the piece with the theme. But sometimes I would start with the narrative I want to express in the music first. For example, like Spring in China, the piece I wrote when I was freshman, I I was trying to capture、um, the narrative of um, of um, you know different sceneries and seasons and festivals happening in China, and and then I just like kind of like I kind of create music from the narrative I'm trying to say. But um, um, to clarify on that, for anyone who is not、uh, familiar what to what Oscar is referring to. Spring in China is a chamber music piece, not a film, not a film score、uh, that he wrote for woodwind quintet. So that's flute, oboe, clarinet, bassoon, and French horn, in which 
he kind of combines these Eastern musical influences on Western instruments. And it was a really beautiful, uh, beautiful concoction that he came up with in that, in that uh, performance. Yeah, so that piece was very narrative driven and um, it was, it was, I did that in freshman year, but recently I just did a, an orchestra piece and um, it actually started with uh, a melodic theme I constructed while I was in Paris uh, with a, with some like whole tone scales and stuff like it was, it, it was a melodic theme and I kind of just developed it um, with some influence of Stravinsky and uh, Prokofiev and they see on a little bit of those kind of like contemporary influences. And then I just, yeah, so it's like a, a, diff, a lot of different ways of starting a piece from narrative, from melodic theme or from whatever. But for film music, um, we usually get like a final cut of a movie first and then we start writing music. And um, well, there's a lot of different ways for film composers to, um, to write music for film as well. For me, I will, um, I will um, I'll watch the film first, maybe read the script as well, and also a lot of communication with the director because writing film music is not about your own person, your own compo composition. It's about uh, collaboration between uh, the composers and directors. So you're bringing up uh, directors and the film production aspect. I want to ask you a question, uh, kind of a current event-based question. Um, so given the radical shifts in the entertainment industry recently, largely due to the overarching pandemic we are dealing with, um, how do you believe the future for the future of opportunities for composers like yourself, rising composers, uh, film scorers, and ghostwriters uh, will change when this pandemic is over? How would that be changed when the pandemic's over or right now? Uh, as it is, as it is going, what do you think? Um, I feel like the COVID situation definitely disrupts people's communication, but I feel like for film, for film music, um, especially, I, I, I don't feel it's, it might be as disrupted or as influenced as other industry because we basically work on laptop and then we have Zoom now, so we can just like have a Zoom call to discuss and also just write music and submit, you know, into the drive or send it to directors. So it's not very, it's not too like influenced in that sense, but definitely, definitely uh, in the social aspect, it, it definitely does some influence there. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely certain then that, um, that, you know, film, we all know that films will come back, but uh, as far yeah. as how they kind of come back, what the production is like, uh, the kind of the kind of recruitment that they're going to look for is, are all things I guess that are uncertain um, and yeah. and I guess we really yeah. will just have to wait and see. Yeah, basically now films are just like they just stop producing and then well if if we composers don't get the films then we, we don't have work. So that kind of that kind of influence our you know our work. Yeah. Definitely. So I want to bring back to what you were talking about when it comes to just the director and composition, uh, the composer relationship. I think this will be very educational for our, our audience. So what is it like when that communication goes through? Like, tell our audience, what is that process like and how does it work? What are you communicating and how do you communicate? Because I feel like for some composers, it's very difficult to, com 
to 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 communicate effectively with their director and they don't some composers don't understand that the director is such an essential part of this entire project right this is more like a teamwork here we're trying to build this amazing artwork at the moment how are we supposed to communicate with each other it's like yeah so why don't you tell our audience here how does that entire process work and what what makes it work for you yeah sure um so there there are a lot of different ways of communication between um, the director and 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 the composers well the quote-unquote standard uh, in this in the industry is first i, I feel like first um in the pre-production stage, I feel like it's a time for composers to um, get inspiration. So at that time, compose, the composer just basically um, listen to music and then come up with some themes. And um, yeah, and then um, after the pre-production pre -production stage, uh, when the film is finally kind of finished, so we call it a final cut version, and then um, and then the composer will basically sit down with the director at a spotting session where um, they will watch the film together. And then the composer basically needs to take notes of and, and also ask the director at what time code does the music need it. And then after that kind of spotting session, the director also sends the composer like a list of reference music um, for the composer to listen to. And then. So uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. I wanted to ask you. Um, I know. I know. For example, that you recently worked on by recent as in two years ago. You two worked on ago. the Ice Cake Man uh, with the great director uh, Max Cho. Yeah. So what was that like in comparison to the uh, to system the that you're describing? Yeah. Um, the, well, the reason why I started by saying there's a lot of different ways of working um, is because it. It, it very it very much depends on the director, composer, and also the, the size, the scale of the project. Well, for, for the Ice Cave Man, um, that one is uh, it's a student film project. And then um, at that time, the director was uh, Max Cho. Max Cho was pretty, um, you know, crunching on a deadline. So, so he needed the music like instantly. And then he was my roommate as well. So he just asked me to write a piece basically in a week. So I just kind of, um, I just watched the, well, at the time, you already gave me a final cut. So that's, that makes the composer much, much easier to work with because whatever you're writing, the director is not changing, it's not changing the project by length. So that's really, that, that is really convenient for a composer. So as I've got the final cut version and I just experimented with some like patch and music stuff, and then I send like part of the music to, um, to Max Cho. And then he said, oh, is this what you're looking for? And then he gave me suggestions, and then I also, uh, based on his suggestion, and then I just change my music, and then yeah, we'll just kind of work like this. And and it didn't take me, it didn't take us too much time working on the project. It was basically just a week or two for for that project. But yeah, it was a very very fast, um, very very busy timeline at the time. That's amazing. That's, that's really, that's really super impressive. And I know that, you know, your flexibility and ability to kind of take things on as they go and as they come at you will definitely help you in the long run. So bravo to you for that. Um, uh, so I want to kind of shift gears here and I wanted to ask you something, maybe if you're willing, something a little more personal. Um, do you, okay, you are a Chinese composer. 
Yeah. Do you believe that your Chinese heritage and background plays any kind of role in shaping your approach to music and on composing? And if so, how do you exploit that? How do you utilize that? Sure. Um, well, this that's um, a very interesting and recently relevant question you asked there, because um, it was actually last week uh, in our composers forum at school, they invited a Chinese composer uh, called Du Yun. And then uh, she she's a Shanghainese American composer, and then she got Pulitzer Prize. So I think she's she's like the first or second woman Chinese woman uh, Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize winner for composition. So that was really amazing. And then and then well during her talk she was mentioning that um, well I really agree with her um, her opinion. She was saying um, she's composing. Um, She's composing and using Chinese elements because she feels like it. She she feels like she are she is inspired by those elements, but not because she's a Chinese Chinese composer, you know. Um, so I, I feel like that really resonates with me because sometimes, although I'm a Chinese composer, um, if I just want to force myself to write a, a Chinese style of music, I feel like when you finish that piece of music, it feels a little forced. It feels forced. It doesn't feel natural because. You're, you're just basically um, you're just basically compiling all the Chinese influences in the piece, but it's not your voice. So I feel like I need to write a piece that represents my voice. Um, yeah, so I, I will compose I will compose a piece of music um, if I feel like oh at this moment of piece I I feel like I wanted to include some Chinese elements to it. That would be wonderful. And then well I I I was brought up with Chinese growing, you know, those kind of cultural influences, so I can draw them into my music. But that doesn't mean I'm, a, that doesn't mean I'm like obliged to write the music in Chinese style or anything. Does that make sense? Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense because you kind of talk about like, as, as composers, we're not, we're not chained, you know, we're not chained to, to our heritage. It's just that our heritage is, is supporting us. It's a, it's meant exactly. to be a role, right? And I, I find that really interesting because a, a lot of a lot of um a lot of Chinese composers that I would know would, would would take such pride in like their Chinese heritage. They'll be like, I gotta write in this style. And mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes that can be so limiting. You you think so too, right? Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, yeah, that's definitely right. So I I, I will. I will I would encourage composers to see their heritage as a supporter, as their um, sound palette, or as their influence in inspirations, but not as a limitation while they're composing. Yeah. So, speaking of Chinese heritage, what 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 what's your view on one of the greatest, I would say, um, greatest uh, Chinese composer in our generation? I mean, in the, he's more the previous generation. Who, what do you think about this composer, Tan Dun? What's your view on him and and, and th th does he inspire you as as a com as a composer, or is he more like a, or is he more like a wow? He's got this heritage. I gotta explore more of what he explores. You know, I feel like this composer is a very avant-garde. Avant-garde is more experimental, uh -huh. where yeah. he kind of experiences with different materials. Yeah, yeah. For example, the water music, right? He experiment he experiments with the flow of the water. So, to give our listeners um, a little more context. Here are a couple of clips from Tan Dun's 
Water Concerto for Water Percussion and Orchestra. by Chinese composer just because they are Chinese or anything. I would say from this piece, I'll, I'll, I'll try to listen to it and then and, and then kind of come up with, oh, is there like a voice from the composer? And is there um, any inspiration from the piece I get? And then, yeah, so if that piece is a good piece, I think it's a good piece. It doesn't need to be like, there are certain kind of cultural elements. And I think Tan Duan, um, it's, it's a really great composer. Um, his way of combining Chinese elements and avant-garde kind of Western elements, I think that's really cool. Yeah, for for for, for listeners here, I think we we need to understand the quality of what Oscar is trying to tell everyone here is that we want to be, especially for film composers, right? Because they they're such an they 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 require a lot of tools at their disposal. So the, it, it requires them to be amenable to these tools. For example, Oscar was actually trying to trying to um, illustrate a specific tool here. And I was trying to ask him about a specific composer and he said he's really open. And I feel like a lot of composers should be open to different styles, should be open to, to tasting different palettes. See, see like, I, it's not just, there, there's so, there are a lot of subtle shades of different colors that a lot of composers should experience, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of right. the composers should try to open up themselves and they'll slowly discover themselves. I feel like this is such a discovery process. Not, yeah. it's not oh, this yeah. is, I gotta write a Chinese music. Like this is me and then that's it. I feel like this is such a great quality. I feel like our listeners should really, I should emphasize to our, our, our audience here, this is such an honorable and such a great quality that I feel like composers should have. Yeah. And, it lasts, okay. and it lasts throughout uh, their lifetimes too. And that doesn't, and that, and you know, you look at, let's say, great composers like Debussy or Mozart, they, their compositional process, or even Beethoven, their compositional process was constantly evolving. You look at Beethoven's third symphony, it's, it's incredibly different from, you know, his, his fifth or, or his ninth. Same thing goes to Mahler as well, uh, for more classically uh, aficionado listeners. Um, so it, it really is something that our listeners should keep in mind and appreciate when we listen to new music and when we listen to uh, composer music by living composers and underrepresented music as well. Um, it's really wonderful. Yeah. So, so, you know, I have one more question for you. Yeah. Um, 
Matt and I, we kind of know you personally outside of this podcast. And we know that your focus is primarily on illustrating styles based on romantic and impressionism in film scoring. But would you encourage our viewers to seek out new music as a means of better understanding uh, what's taking place in our society, both musically and otherwise, and in our cultural world today? Um, for sure, yeah. <laughs> can you kind of rephrase that question again? So, so, so we, we should like take in new influences in your music, right? Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know, because I know, um, we we know some other composers that do not appreciate new music and uh, uh, and contemporary techniques and stuff like that. There are definitely some people we know that are that are very that are very crack the whip and very lovers of John Williams and other things like that. Well, John Williams, John Williams is actually a very flexible composer. He can does he he can he can do contemporary stuff as well. Uh, He's a really great composer, but yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so yeah, it, it's definitely applicable. Then. Great. I mean, also, again, our emphasis on flexibility, being open to to a lot of different music. I would like to ask you one question that I, you know, I've asked a lot of different composers who's going, who's in the teaching route, who's 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 becoming professors. So. My question for you is, if you were a tenured professor, actually not just a tenured professor, a, 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 an educator of, of composition mm -hmm. at a major conservatory or at a university, it doesn't have to be a user, just as an educator, what music or what music would you let you listen, would you let your, um, let your student listen to? Or do you think that that's, you know, that's a little limiting? Um, you want them to listen to wide breadth of music. What would that wide breadth of music be? And to add on, to actually add on to more to this question, is that what specific aspect of those music would you like to emphasize on to your students? Hmm. That's a really good question. Let me think about it. Well, um, I think there are two points I want to mention. Um, well, right now I'm starting with John Kiffer. I really love studying with him because he really guide. Well, he he has been such a great guidance um, in our lessons. So I feel like a great professor in composition um, should be really open, but also be really great guidance. And by that I mean, like for example, um, every week I will show him what I what kind of pieces I'm right, working on. So for example, like this week I'm working on some kind of like. Stravinsky style contemporary orchestral music, and then he would he would immediately pull out some similar style, but even a little bit more contemporary or a little bit like stretch it like a little farther and out. So kind of broaden my horizon at that sense, but in the same same path. Um, so he let me listen to Cori Corigliano, the first symphony, so stuff like that. So I feel like. Um, he, he, he has been such a great guidance for me um, by not controlling me what kind of music to listen to, but guiding me into listening to, to the music that I'm interested in, but also at the same time broadening my view. Does that make sense, Karen? And um, the second point I want to mention is um, I feel like being a great, 
composition professor. Um, well, I mean, for, for composition, I, I feel like the four years I spent at NYU studying composition, I feel like the, the greatest thing, the greatest thing I achieved is kind of the aesthetics for, um, for music. So I feel like the, compo the, the professor needs to uh, guide the student to form into, to, be, to form into some aesthetics that is drastically different than, than the student who first entered the university. So I feel like, yeah, I, I think that's the, the biggest part of education about composition. Um, the student needs to form an aesthetics for music composition, no matter in what kind of ways. Because I heard a lot of different stories about other composers and how the, the uh, how how the professors teach their students. Some some of my uh, really great um, composer friends, they just said, oh, they just basically go into the office of the professor, and the professor just let them maybe like see a painting, maybe some discussion with coffee. So it's it's a, well, an hour of composition lesson is about raising your taste, raising your aesthetics. If you have that aesthetics yourself as composers, then after class you can write a piece that is really good. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I want to break it down because I feel like you did such a great job. But I feel like we need to get into your brain a little more because what you said was amazing. So um, to kind of rephrase what you're trying to say here is that as, 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 as these educators or these, as these professors, it's very essential for them to, um, to give more colors to their to their students. Am I am I am I interpreting this correctly, or am I yes, definitely more co more colors and more more elements, more influence, and more sound palettes? And, and why is that so important? Why is why is the aspect of I have so many palettes, I have so many shades of color at my palette at my disposal. Why is that so important? Why why can't composers just stick to one? Let's just say. I'm 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 going to be a, I, I my goal is to be a major um major composer at Hollywood or a a, a star composer at Disney, um writing for Pixar. Um, why 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 do I have to be exposed to uh I don't know Messian? Why do I have to be exposed to the more avant garde composers as to okay let me just study I I just want to study John. Well, I feel like it kind of ties back to my answer previously. Um, so to form an aesthetics, I feel like that's an eclectic thing. So you need, um, it's just like a good writer, you need to read a lot of books. Um, it's kind of the same thing. So, um, well, the more, the more things you absorb um, into your palette, I feel like those kind of all kind of genres and elements, they are kind of they're actually interconnected. They're not very. They're not like separate um, at all. They, they they all influence you as a composer, and um, and also for like a for like a real world reason um, for a film composer especially, if you have more sound palettes, more genre influences, that definitely work for you as a film composer because there are totally different kind of films you're working on, and then you need to compose different kinds of music for it. So. I, I want you, I want, actually, I really want to harp on this. So, um, so you, you talk about like being exposed to different colors. So what is one color that you wish, what, what's the one color, or I guess one color that you want your students, which is our audience right here, um, to take away? Like, what is that one color that you wish your students would like to know? Basically, give them a, give them a music or give them a, 
a music, a score of the day or a score music that you want them to go study. This is not music of the week. We will go to that, but <laughs> you know, think that they should study. Well, I don't know if I should be the one to tell the audience what to listen to. <laughs> that puts a lot of pressure on me, but I feel like, um, well, before I got into, really got into composition, I, I well, as I said earlier, um, I was inspired by pop classical music, which is very melodic and very predictable and harmon harmonically speaking is very diatonic. And um, so at that time, I, I would be completely shocked at um, contemporary music or electronics. Like, I, I will be like completely, I don't understand that kind of music that, that just sound noise to me at that time. But I feel like um, after four years of studying, right now I'm a senior already and I've listened to a lot of different kinds of music. I feel like I, my aesthetics about music is kind of becoming more and more widening. And, and um, I, feel like, I feel like those kind of contemporary and electronic and weird kind of music, it really fascinates me because um, they're, they're unpredictable and um, the textures, the colors, it's just amazing. So um, I feel like that kind of music um, definitely something worth exploring for, for someone that hasn't gotten to it yet. So yeah, that. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so now we're gonna go to uh, take a quick little break and shift gears over to our music of the week. So what we do with this music of the week uh, is we basically go around the room and we share something we've been listening to uh, this past week that has really moved us or something that we really enjoyed listening to and then share where our interest for what we want to listen to next, where it's going. So um, I will go first. I'm more than happy to go first. Uh, I recently went to Barnes & Noble uh, two weeks ago. I went out, I went to Barnes & Noble and when I was there, I was I looked through the film collection, and I came across in a clearance section for five dollars each, three hard copies of the entire Lord of the Rings collection, and I had never seen Lord of the Rings before. I never heard I, I've heard it, but I never knew anything about it. And when I was studying abroad in Prague in the spring, uh, I, I got a gig to play in a film orchestra. Uh, through my private teacher, and we played the symphony from the Fellowship of the Ring, which made me just think to myself, wow, this music is so amazing, I should go check out the movies. And sure enough, out of my own luck, I found Lord of the Rings in the store. I bought all three. I've watched two of them so far. I have to get to The Return of the King next week. But that's what I've been listening to. I've really been grooving to Lord of the Rings uh, this past couple of weeks. And um, I, think, I think the... The direction I'm probably going to go after this is probably Matthew's favorite direction in classical music, which is Wagner. I'm probably going to look into uh, the Ring Cycle or, or 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 the Meister Singers or something and see how that kind of plays into Lord of the Rings and how Howard Shore is so similar, used a style so similar to Wagner. So that's my music of the week. What about you, Matt? So before I go into my music of the week, usually our music of the week, we hit each other, well I hit everyone a question, and you guys can hit me with a question, and usually these questions are more random, um, I just want to explain how it goes for, for our audience, uh, not, not for our audience, for, for our guest today, so he doesn't get scared, 
Um, but the question for you, Darius, speaking of Lord of the Rings, this movie is how many hours long? It's like, what, six hours long? Are you going it's... to make it through <laughs> the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy? <laughs> well, okay, each movie is three hours long. And I, I, I've spent two weekends so far watching them. I watched the first one two weeks two weekends ago. I watched the Two Towers last weekend, and there's not much time left in this weekend. But at some point, I want to watch Return of the King. So yes, yeah. I am. I am dedicated, and I am willing to spend many hours listening to the Lord of the Rings and watching the Lord of the Rings. And I will probably dedicate myself and procrastinate my homework. To go listen to the to the ring cycle by Wagner as well. <laughs> That's a good one. So for my music of the week, well, I was for for my music of the week last week. I talked about Richard Strauss. Um, Richard Strauss specifically from Nietzsche's um, Nietzsche's um, poem um, "Also Strauss And the whole point of this was uh, we were kind of talking about acapella and how that uh, the voicing. Of what Lock, uh, not Wagner, of what Strauss does in his specific composition is so, you know what, so similar to what Wagner does. Since Darius wanted to put out, uh, Darius wanted to put out Wagner. So this week, going into next week, unlike Darius, it's going to be less continuous. I'm actually looking at a music written by Yuki Hayashi. He wrote the music for Haiku. Um, recently, Haiku, Haiku just came out actually with the second part of season four and actually the second episode just came out uh, i think two days yeah two days ago and the reason why i love this music so much um is because the way that yuki and hayashi yuki hayashi writes this music is great because a lot of people associate with volleyball with justice sport but the way he's able to not not just the manga itself but the way he's able to hit that high note i mean oh my god season three music absolutely stunning and speaking of talking about story speaking about going up high this music really really hits the high note for for the ballad and i absolutely love this kind of story so i'm going to listen to it i'm going to adore it and sleep with this music it only makes sense that uh that you being a violinist and a lover of anime and manga would appreciate this so much and create some kind of connection to Richard Strauss, the polar opposite. So, congrats to you for, for sharing that, your insight with our viewers. <laughs> uh, so, Oscar, what would you say is your music of the week? Well, um, well, this week I've been listening to a collection of different styles. Well, um, so this semester I'm actually in um, the class called Composing for Video Games. So I listen to some video game soundtrack. Um, well, I listen to the music for Morrowind, uh, music for, and also music for <laughs> Just Cause 4. So basically, yeah, because we are working on similar projects right now. It's an adventure game, and then I'm writing music to it. And um, other than that, I also, I've been listening to Jacob Collier, actually. And um, yeah, I, I feel like the music, the music by Jacob Collier, uh, it definitely reflects what we have been discussing so far about the eclectic taste for a composer. And I feel, well, if you listen to Jacob Collier's song, you would feel like it's um, it's a, it's a combination of different kind of genres from jazz, from pop, from soul, from 
R&B, from electronics, from, you know, classical, anything. So it's a really great collection of sounds of great music here. So I definitely recommend people checking it out. So to hit you with a question, I got a strange one. Well, not really a strange one. We were we were talking about game music. So what's what's your favorite game? I know my favorite game is Clash Royale. I mean, I've been playing that game for like five years. But what's your favorite game? To be honest, I don't have a favorite game because I don't play games that much. But um, <laughs> definitely, there is a lot of game music that's really wonderful. Um, I didn't play Zelda, but I love the music for Zelda. Mario's music is phenomenal, and. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're all great music. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, thank you so much, Oscar. We really wanted to thank you for taking some time out of your very busy life uh, to, even even in these times, to take a moment to give us your time and, and share a casual conversation with us about film music. It, it really, really was a great honor to have you. And, uh, and we wish you all the best. And I know, I know our viewers have been inspired by, uh, by, anything, by anything and everything you've done. Uh, if our viewers wanted to listen to some of your music, is there a way, would you recommend, how would you recommend they find you? Um, yeah, sure. So um, I'm actually creating my own personal website right now, but it's not fully done. It's, uh, but the website is there. It's ZHI. P-A-N dot com. That's my website. Oh, sorry. Z-H-I Oscar O-S-C-A-R P-A-N dot com. That's my website. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Thank you for, well, thank you for having me. I, it was a pleasure. It's really fun talking to you yeah. guys. Yeah. It's really, really a pleasure. So uh, thank you again, Oscar. And thank you, Matt, for being here. I'm Darius. And this has been Surround Sound. Take care. And we hope to See you again, or rather hear you again, next time. We also want to thank Matt Klein for writing our awesome jingle for Surround Sound. Thanks, Matt.